Well, good evening again. Welcome back uh, to week four of our class on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Man, this has been a great time for us to connect and to engage uh, online and to grow in our faith and our understanding of who God is and how he has revealed himself uh, by way of his spirit through his word. And so, man, we are so glad that you are back with us this evening uh, for another installation of the teaching. Um, Hopefully the last three weeks have been helpful to you uh, to, again, broaden your understanding of who God is and who his spirit is in your life and what he wants to do in and through you by way of that same spirit. And so um, I'm glad to be here with you again tonight. Uh, We'll have some teaching and then we'll do some Q&A in a few moments after I cover some of this material. Uh, But I want to pray tonight. I want to pray again that the Holy Spirit would lead my comments and my remarks tonight and that um, he would be the true teacher in this room and uh, in this Zoom as well. So join me as we pray. Father, tonight, um, I just ask you in the name of Jesus to make your word clear. God, I'll do my best to uh, explain what you've put in my heart to explain and to teach what you've put in my heart to teach. But ultimately, God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would be the illuminator of truth in this place and that he would make my words clear now as I teach it and that you also would instruct and guide our conversation and our questions and our responses um, later on in this call. So, Father, help us now to learn and to grow and to, um, to learn more about your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, again, every week I've done this, and I'm not going to not do it tonight. I want to make sure that we talk about where we've been be, and talk about where we're going before we talk about where we are. Does that make sense? Where we've been, where we're going, and then where we are tonight. And I want to use the same imagery that I used last week um, when we talked about the funnel. Uh, again, I think it, it gives an appropriate picture for the, the, the way that we are approaching this teaching. And so last time, well, again, where we were, um, we started with the nature of God, right? Nature of God. And that's a very, very broad topic. And we did not go into a lot of the things that we could have gone into when you talk about God as creator, right? Like that's a massive 12-week topic right there on how God created the universe and old earth, young earth, and creationism and evolutionism and, and all those things that are, are fun topics to, to talk about. We didn't get into that, but we talked very broadly about creator God. Then week two, we talked about God, the Holy Spirit, as he's revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, last Wednesday together, we covered how the Holy Spirit has been revealed in the New Testament. Next week, week five, we're going to get really narrow in tongues. And then week six is life. Just how the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a gift to work with us and to inspire our holy living uh, and our obedience unto the Lord through our daily lives. And so that's where, we're, that's where we've been where we are going, and then tonight, this is where we are, uh, week four, we're going to talk about two things, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So this is where we are right now. Again, if you don't have a paper and pencil, 
or your Bible handy, um, or you're running split screen on your computer and have the ability to look at certain Bible passages, uh, make sure you take a moment um, and go find a Bible and get a paper and pencil and be ready to write down your questions. Uh, we've said each week, save your questions, write them down so that you remember something that we talk about tonight might stir you and might create a question in you, but if you don't write it down, you might forget it by the end of the night. So make sure that you are being a student of the Word and having those tools and resources available to you. So again, I want to just put that out there as a, a picture of what we're doing in this class, and then I want to draw something different here so that we can kind of walk through this together. So tonight, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, and then we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit. And we didn't, you know, when we talk about gifts, I, th I think what I, what I want to, to say tonight is this. Um, I want you to, this is going to sound all kind of psychological and it's not meant to be, right? But um, I want you to find yourself. Now that doesn't mean like you go off on a journey and go camping by yourself for three days in Yosemite and meditate all day so that you can really find who you are. That's not what I mean by find yourself in tonight's teaching. What I do mean, however, is that we're going to walk through tonight a bunch of gifts that are outlined in the New Testament. And what I want you to do tonight as we talk through this portion, this will be 80% of what we talk about tonight. I just want to discuss the fruit uh, a little bit to lay a backdrop or foundation for the gifts. But um, when I say find yourself, we, I said before, I think even back to week one, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts, some call them, uh, we're really helping somebody identify their spiritual job description. What on earth am I here for, right? If you have identified what the one, two, or three gifts, or even more, if you identify the gifts that God has given you, the spiritual gifts, you have identified part of the reason you're here, your reason for being. Um, our reason for being as a church is helping, uh, reaching people and growing together in Christ. We wanna reach people who are far from God and help them grow in the relationship with Jesus. That's our reason for being as a congregation, a family of God, the body of Christ. Um, you also, though, within the context of the body of Christ, have a reason for being. And when you find that reason for being, um, you, you might find it through discovering how God has gifted you or wired you to be involved in the body of Christ and in using your gifts and abilities and talents and time and treasure and all those things for the glory of God, for the advancement of the gospel and for the growth of his kingdom. So we're gonna talk about that tonight. I'm gonna give you uh, some tools and some resources online that you can use to help you discover uh, the gifts that you have if you don't already know what they are. We'll talk about that at the very end. So don't tune out uh, because we have a lot to cover tonight. And um, again, the first 10 minutes or so, we'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Again, just because it's, a, it's an aspect of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life on a daily basis, day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute, he is producing things in you and through you, right? Uh, 
So we'll talk about that, and then that lays the backdrop. This informs how we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And so if you were to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit, you may be lacking in some areas, and the gifts may not be um, conveyed properly uh, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit also growing in your life. And so here we go. If you have the notes available, again, there's a lot of slides tonight. I think there's 35. You probably didn't print them out at home. Ink is not cheap. How many can, can I get a witness? Maybe a thumbs up in the chat tonight. Ink cartridges are expensive, right? Um, so you probably didn't print them all out, but if you have access to them electronically or digitally, whatever, uh, you can follow along and listen to what we talk about so, or read to what we talk about. So uh, the fruit of the Spirit is outlined in Galatians chapter uh, 5, verses 22 and 23. And this, if you're a church person, this is a very familiar passage to you, right? Uh, Paul wrote this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now again, that's in a, that's, Paul shares those things in a broader context of what he's talking about in Galatians, and I'm not going to take the time to unpack all of the context of what he's discussing, but I do want you to take note of one thing there. Again, all of those things, those nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you, they might be worth writing up here for a minute because, again, I think this imagery helps to create something. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Somebody say amen to kindness, right? Like, if we could just be more kind to each other in this divided culture, man, that would go a long way. A goodness... Faithfulness, they may, not, they may be out of order right now, sorry. Gentleness, and in big letters, self-control. And the reason I want this here for you to see, as I said earlier, I think the nine fruits of the Spirit uh, produce a foundation for the way that the gifts ought to operate in the body of Christ. With, when you are using your gift to serve or to give or administration or leadership or hospitality or craftsmanship or teaching or prophecy, whatever the gift is that God has gifted you with, you should be administering that gift in a spirit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things should be done in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't think it's an accident. Again, I, we all have our way of kind of perceiving Scripture. I don't think it's a mistake that the last fruit of the Spirit that Paul gives mention to, again, being inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote the Scripture, um, was self-control. Because sometimes I think that the church has lived with this impression that some of the gifts, this is going to be very important, so if you're not listening, lean in right now, like lean in, right? I think that there have been times in the church that I observed, I've been in the church for a long time, 
that people sometimes think that the gifts of the Spirit operate outside of our own self-control. And I do not believe that that's the case. I think the fruit of the Spirit, and specifically self-control, provides guidance to how we utilize the gifts in our life. They are still subject to your control. The gifts should never be out of our own control. First uh, Corinthians 14, Paul talks about that there. So here are some of the, the um, functions of the, the fruit. They must be cultivated. So the fruit of the Spirit is something that in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, you allow God to cultivate those things in your life so that you are becoming more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more kind. All of these things are being cultivated in your life and in my life on a daily basis. God wants us to, these to be growing in our life regularly. Um, they, they will be the eventual result of a spirit-led, spirit-filled life. You know, when we first get saved, when we first cross the line of faith, when people come to Christ, there are a lot of rough edges in our lives. And some people, man, their life was a train wreck. They're, the train wasn't even on the tracks, right? And so when we get saved, God lifts up our train and puts it on the rails. But then there's a lot of cleaning up to do in our lives. And there's a lot of refinement and, and shaping and crafting and fashioning that God wants to do in your life. He's doing it right now. And um, the fruit of the Spirit, I believe, should be the eventual result the, the default setting, they, they, they will naturally be produced in your life if you are being spirit-led and being spirit-filled, right? These should naturally come about in our lives. You should, you should, listen, people aren't by nature always kind and loving, but when your train gets set on the rails and you become a follower of Jesus, eventually your natural way should be to become a loving person. That should be the natural byproduct of a spirit-led life, is that I become more loving every day of my life, right? Um, it is the foundation for effective and productive ministry. These nine character traits or qualities in my life and in your life become the foundation for effective and productive use of these, right? Again, I want you to see the connection between the fruit and the gifts, Gifts should function from a fruitful foundation, right? That's, we've already said that. So again, this, I, I said I didn't want to spend a ton of time on this because I really want to spend time here. We could take a whole night and talk about each one of these. We're not going to tonight. But I would say this. If you have a question about the fruit of the Spirit, if there's something uh, that you wonder about in your own life or you've observed in the church you want to talk about in our question and answer time tonight, please, by all means, I don't mean that, I don't mean for tonight to be wholly focused just on the gifts. If there's something here that you'd like to talk about in the discussion tonight, write your question down now and um, we'll chat about it then because we're about to shift gears and move on from the fruit of the Spirit and discuss the gifts of the Spirit, all of them operating out of the backdrop of the fruit. So, Couple of reminders as we begin to discuss the gifts of the Spirit. Number one is this, that you and I are called to live a supernatural life. 
We are, we are designed by God to not just be natural. God has called us and he has equipped us to live a supernatural existence on this earth. Again, it would not be Scott Kramer teaching if I didn't remind you of this, but it's, it, it makes sense right here, so I'm gonna do it. So you and I are made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Now, if you and I were just body and soul, if we were two parts, and we did not have this inner dimension of our lives, then you, by nature, would be living a natural life because you would be limited by your own resources, right? You would be limited by your flesh and your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You would be a limited vessel. You would be operating in the natural. However, God did not leave us in that state. He gave us a spiritual inner man. He took his Holy Spirit placed it on the inside of us at the moment of our faith in Christ, and now we are invited to live a supernatural life in Jesus Christ. We could, we could close in prayer right there because that is a powerful thought that you and I are called to live a supernatural life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us according to Romans 8, 11, and many other scriptures. The same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave lives in you and he lives in me, right? We are called and equipped to live a supernatural life. The gifts of the Spirit, then, are God's anointing on you. They're God's empowerment. They're God's equipment in your life to serve one another in love. Part of the, what we'll look at tonight, the gifts have been given to us so that we might serve each other and build each other up in the faith and to maturity in our walk with Jesus. First uh, Peter 4.10 says this in your notes, each one should use whatever gift he or she has received, look at this, to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Peter says, and he's not even really talking about the gifts of the Spirit necessarily in the, the, the greater context of the passage. However, this statement is so powerful that he says that each one of us should use whatever gift God has given us to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. So what if we viewed the gifts in our life? What if you have gift one, two, three, and four? I don't know what they are, but the Holy Spirit does, and he wants to reveal that to you, maybe even tonight, right? But what if we saw the gifts as God's grace? This, is, this gift that I have, let's say, it's, um, let's say it's helps, the gift of helps. If you have the gift of helps, that is a, a picture, an empowerment of God's grace for you to use that to bless others as a way of administering the grace of God to other people. That is what Peter said, that we have been given gifts so that we could be part of faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms to serve others. The gifts are not given to you to make you puffed up or prideful or arrogant or boastful or any of the other things that we might think about when we think of somebody who, who 
is self-centered in their giftings, right? The gifts are given to us so that we would use them to be a conduit of God's grace to serve other people, right? So make that, again, put that in the center of your mind that, that we are called to serve others with our gifts. We're gonna look at and read three primary passages tonight in the New Testament that outline the different gifts. And I, I could, what we're gonna do is I wanna read these passages and, and take a little bit of time just to unpack them. Then at the end, I'm gonna read through all of the gifts that are listed rather rapidly, okay? So I probably will be out of breath by the end of this teaching. Uh, but I don't wanna get caught up in each one of the specific gifts and spend too much time talking about them. There are plenty of resources. You have the notes electronically. You can go back and read them, pray over them, meditate on them, and let the Holy Spirit show you how he has gifted you. I wanna spend a little more time creating the context for all of those gifts. So here are the main gifts passages in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. And what I wanna do right now is I wanna take a moment and read through those passages together and just kind of allow it to be a, a, the context for the way that we view and receive the gifts of the Spirit tonight. So this is what Paul said in Romans 12, starting in verse three. He said, for by the grace, again, there's that word again, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Paul is using his gift to serve other believers by being the conduit of God to pen the word of God, right? For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Again, I said a moment ago, ago that we, we need not to use our gifts to become puffed up or arrogant or prideful in any way, shape, or form. This is so important that I read this because it, again, lays the proper backdrop for how you and I will serve one another in, an, in a posture of humility. You and I need to serve each other from a, a, a rootedness in humility in our lives. Paul said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So we should have a sober judgment of ourselves and our own giftedness. Not that God doesn't want great things to happen in and through us. However, we should continue to see ourselves in the light of sober judgment. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So Paul is reminding you that you are one among many, right? Even on this phone call tonight on Zoom, we probably have 50 or 60 people. You are one of the people, and you are a member of the body of Christ, and no particular member should be given any greater value than the other members in the body, regardless of gifting, right? We are all one in the body of Christ. But then he goes on to list the gifts, and I'm gonna give you a chart, it's in your notes, how we can kind of organize the gifts. He said, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Again, according to the grace given to each of us, we have different gifts. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Some of these he actually describes how the gift should be operating in your life. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So again, there's Romans 12. You maybe make that a devotional reading tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, whatever. Make it a time in your walk just to go back and reread this and let it be a part of your devotional life. Then I'm gonna jump over to Ephesians 4 and we'll look at another list of the gifts. Again, we're gonna read the greater context so that you hear the, the way in which Paul communicates this. There is one body, verse four, and one spirit. Again, one body with many members and one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Just as you too were called to one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Verse seven. But to each one, Look at this. Look at the, again, I, I, I share the context so that you see the, the consistency with which the Holy Spirit led the writers of Scripture to convey this information to multiple audiences. We just read the letter that Paul wrote to the Roman believers 2,000 years ago. Now we're reading what Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus years later. But look at the consistency with which Paul writes by the Holy Spirit. But to each one, to each one of us, grace was given, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he, he led captives in his training, gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of he ascended except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, namely the earth? He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above the heavens in order to fill all things. Then it says in verse 11, this is what I want you to kind of zoom in on tonight. Zoom in on, zoom, pun intended. Okay, never mind. That was a terrible joke. Um, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Many call this the five-fold ministry gifting. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher. Five-fold gifting. To equip the saints, why has God gifted some people with one of those five gifts? To equip, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of, the, of Christ's full Stature. I want to read it in my um, older NIV version just because I like the way that it reads there too. If you're not a paper Bible user, can I encourage you to become one? I say this all the time, but I, I don't know how your brain works and how you memorize things, but I can tell you how mine works. And I have a very strong visual memory. And if I see something and where it is located in the page, it actually helps me remember the scripture and and have it lodged in my heart where it belongs, right? And Ephesians 4 is on the left side of my page, upper, upper left corner, right? So I know where it is. And this is what it says. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be, evangel to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers 
to prepare God's people for works of service. So one of the reasons that you've been given these gifts is to equip or prepare, if you have one of the fivefold giftings, for works of service. It's very hard to write below your waist here. So for works of service, you have been gifted to serve others, and the, the, the fivefold gifting is to encourage that in you so that the body of Christ may be built up, again, we read that earlier, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, tending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The goal that God has for your life is that you would grow into maturity, attaining the full measure of Christ in your life. And the fivefold gifting has been given to help produce that maturity among the believers in the body of Christ. These five gifts are very specifically given to equip and prepare the body of Christ to grow in maturity in their faith. I believe that God has given me two of those gifts, pastor, teacher, and what I'm using right now, I'm called to help encourage the body of Christ to grow in their faith, to attain maturity and the full measure of Christ in their life. That's what I'm called to do. That's where I find so much fulfillment and satisfaction in serving the purpose of God in my life is doing just this. I love this, and I hope that it's effective in your life. Okay, and then we're gonna jump over to 1 Corinthians 12. Again, reading the greater context, verse four, Paul wrote, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all of them in all persons. Again, if you could summarize the first section of what I read there, you could easily summarize it with one word. What Paul wants is unity. We all have different responsibilities and giftings and talents and abilities and places in the body of Christ, but there's one God, there's one Jesus, one faith, one spirit, one Lord, we should all be united together in a common cause in the body of Christ. Then he goes on to say, but to each one, to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit, this is so powerful, for the common good. Again, just gotta take a timeout right there, a little timeout. Look at the consistency again. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, with which Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, describes the gifts. Faithfully administering the grace of God for the common good. You are given a gift, not so that you can become something, or so that you can be puffed up, built up. No, you are given a gift for the common good so that you can faithfully serve others and serve the body of Christ and serve the mission of God through the local church, you are given your gifts for the common good. All over this, in the body of Christ, you're gifted so that you could serve one another with the grace of God. Then he goes on to give the gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, just pay attention to that. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But notice that he doesn't say the gift of healing. 
He says gifts of healing by one spirit. I think that's significant. And we could, that would be a great thing to discuss later tonight in our q and I'd love to chat about healing for a little bit. And to another, the affecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Again, we're going to come back to all of those in just a moment. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. I want to reread that last verse again. So important that you understand the unity that Paul wants to surround all of this with. The whole thing is written to unify the church, not to divide us, but to make us one, right? But one and the same Spirit, that's what this class is about, works all of these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. The Holy Spirit is the distributor of the gifts, and he gives to each one just individually, just as he will. So to one, to Mike, to Bob, to Jen, to Marge, to Carrie, to Christine, to Brian, to Eric, to all of our staff, like all of us, everybody in this church, volunteering, serving, life group leaders, kids workers, student ministry, wherever it is that you serve, greeting at the front door, I'm thinking of my friend Ralph who has that gregarious spirit, right? To each one, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts to each one individually, just as he wills. It's as the Spirit of God sees fit in your life to gift you and to empower you for the work of God to be accomplished through you. Okay, so, um, he goes on to say this later in the same chapter, and God has appointed to the church first apostles, then prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? Now that again, don't get hung up on that because next week we'll make a distinction between the gift of tongues and the tongues that are the result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So don't kind of get hung up there. Save your questions for next week. All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. So again, Paul lists all the gifts. We're gonna zip through these gifts in just a moment. So again, in summary, the gifts of the Spirit are God-given by way of the Holy Spirit. They come to your life. They are the result of the Spirit's distribution. We talked about that already. He individually moves them into your life. They vary in function. Just kind of reading through your notes there. This, again, just park here for a moment. They may lie dormant until discovered. Now, there's debate in the body of Christ as to when the gifts come to you. So let's just take a gift of teaching, okay? The Bible clearly says that some are gifted to be teachers. We don't know definitively. I think you can build a case for either one, but we don't know if this gift of teaching comes into your life before you get saved, at the moment of salvation, or sometime after salvation. But I wonder sometimes if 
There is a gifting in a person's life to teach that is there by God. Again, remember that God made you from beginning to end. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he formed you in your mother's womb. So the question of when this happens, quite honestly, becomes irrelevant because everything that you are and have is there by God's hand and by his design. None of it comes from anywhere else. So you could, again, I don't want to get hung up on debates of when this happened, but I would say this in my own life. I noticed an ability to to help others learn early in my life, way before I was really growing as a believer in faith. I noticed that I had the ability to explain things to people, um, whether it was spiritual things or natural things. I had, I had a, an ability to explain th- things in such a way that others could understand. In fact, quick story, um, this used to make me so aggravated. I was in a small study group in college. Um, I was a biology major. I was pre-med w- before God called me to ministry. Um, and, and in college in Atlanta, Georgia, Emory University, I was in this um, immunology class, okay? I was a, a pre-med student, biology major, and I took this class called immunology. It was a very difficult class, and the concepts were, were both abstract and concrete. And I, I was in a study group with these two girls, and routinely, I'm not making this up, okay? Routinely, I would be explaining to them the concepts from class, like the textbook, the notes. I was, I was really good at like, like grasping the concept and being able to explain it to others. And so we would study late at night, whatever, we'd, we'd be studying and cranking over the stuff and they'd be asking me all these questions and I'd be explaining the concepts and this is what the teacher said and I would be explaining to them how to understand the concepts every time they beat me on the test. Oh, I wanted to like strangle them, like, how is this fair? Last night, I just explained this to you. Why did you beat me on the test? I wasn't always a great test taker. Can anybody relate to that? But some people were really good at memorizing facts and data and information. That wasn't me. I was always better at at grasping a concept and being able to explain it to somebody. Even though it wasn't a spiritual thing, I was able, I think that the Holy Spirit gifted me to do that. Now I'm using it for the kingdom of God, but I, I had that. So anyway, I don't know when they come to you, but the Bible's clear that the Holy Spirit gave them to you to use to serve others. But they, I'm sorry, that was a digression. They may lie dormant in your life until discovered. Some of you, maybe God is gonna help you discover your gift tonight or in the weeks to come as you take one of the online assessments. You might discover how God has gifted you and then you can pull that gift out of dormancy and begin to use it to serve other people. And the gifts can and should be grown and honed. They should be sharpened and developed in your life. So there are three main categories of gifts that we're gonna look at. Again, I'm not gonna, I'm looking at the time now. I've already been at this for almost 40 minutes. I don't want this teaching segment to go past 50 minutes. I wanna leave time for Q&A, so I may just zip through some of these way quicker, uh, and then we'll, we'll give, you're gonna have the information. You can read them over on your own. Um, so there are three classifications of the gifts. Now, if you do research online, you'll find that there are, are other ways to categorize the gifts. 
What I'm gonna give you tonight is not the only way to categorize the gifts. This is one of the ways in which theologians and Bible scholars and leaders in the church, we categorize them. Um, they'd be motivational gifts, ministry gifts, and manifestational gifts, okay? Let me describe them. The motivational gifts, how God works in a believer to shape his or her perspective on life and motivate his or her words and actions. So I'm gonna, I'm sure you're done with this, this mess that I have here. I'm gonna just write these words on the board so that you see them in case you don't have the notes. They are the motivational gifts, the ministry gifts, and then the manifestational gifts. Motivational, ministry, and manifestational gifts, okay? So the ministry gifts, how God works with, a, with what a believer does to serve and meet the needs of others. We talked about that already in Ephesians chapter four. And then the manifestational gifts, I think a little bit obvious, um, how God works through a believer in a given situation to demonstrate his supernatural power. Um, so I don't have the, I'm, I'm not gonna write all these for the sake of time tonight, but I'm going to read the gifts in these categories and then you have the note sheet, I emailed it to you, so if you wanna see how they are categorized, again, this is one of the ways, but you can go find your notes and check that out. The motivational gifts, again, in this list would be prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Ministry gifts would be apostle, teacher, administration, evangelism, pastor, shepherd, and helps. And then manifestational gifts, the ones that tend to have what, again, I, I, would, I would preface this by saying that all of the gifts, I said earlier, I had it written here, all of the gifts should be viewed as being supernatural. They're, they're, they're recorded in scripture, they are the supernatural empowerment of the Spirit of God in and through your life to serve other people. So I don't want you to think that as I, as I list the manifestational gifts that they're somehow more supernatural than all of the other gifts. All of them are supernaturally inspired and given and they're God's empowerment in you to serve others. However, right, the manifestational gifts sometimes tend to be viewed as more supernatural in the way that we perceive them from the outside. They would be the gift of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healing, of miracles, of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the distinguishing between spirits. Those would be the gifts that would be found in the manifestational category in this particular way. So, um, here we go. Buckle your seatbelt. I have seven to 10 minutes. I wanna, I'm gonna race through these. I am not gonna, I'm gonna, okay, I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna do my best not to pause and elaborate. I know that's not a strength of mine because I, I get on something and I'm like, oh, that's so good. I just wanna talk about it, just like I'm doing right now, right? Like, so we're gonna walk through these as rapidly as I know how to. So, uh, again, in your notes, there's all these gifts. I'm gonna just read through one per slide 
and just really quickly, uh, the gift of prophecy, the ability to receive and proclaim a message from God. This could involve the foretelling of future events, though its primary purpose is seen in 1 Corinthians 14 as forth-telling. So there's foretelling, and then there's forth-telling. Foretelling is predicting the future. Forth-telling is a word of God right here and right now. One who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation right now. This gift provides a word from God to a specific group, not the normative word of God to all believers. So we should not hear a prophetic word and think of it as the word of God. No, this is the only concrete revelation of God to man, the word of God, the Bible. A prophetic word does not sit on the same plane as the word of God. It is seen as a momentary, relevant, timely word to a specific group of believers or people for that specific time. Service. The ability to identify and care for the physical needs of the body through a variety of means. The Greek word for this gift is the same as that for ministry or deacon, but the gift should, be, should not be confused with the office. So we have deacons in this church, but, and that comes from the Greek word diakonos, which literally means through the mud or to serve. So somebody who's called or nominated to become a deacon in a church should see themselves as a servant to the church. Again, Jesus said we should not lead like the Gentiles, right, who lord leadership over one another. No, he said not so with you. Anyone who wants to become first should become last and become the servant of all. So those who are called to leadership are actually called to serve and with humility to serve the body of Christ. Teaching. The ability to clearly explain and effectively apply the truths of God's word so that others will learn. Hopefully, um, you're learning something tonight through my teaching. Um, but again, the ability to explain, clearly explain and effectively apply the truths of God's word so that others can learn. This requires the capacity to accurately interpret scripture, engage in necessary research, and organize the results in a way that is easily communicated and understood. If, you're, if you see yourself as a teacher, listen, and others who listen to you scratch their head and say, I don't get it, uh, either you're not using your gift to the best of your ability or you don't have a gift to teach. The Bible says that those who teach have the ability to explain things in a way that's understandable. Hopefully, um, that's proven in my teaching here tonight. If it's not, we'll talk about it, okay? Exhortation, the ability to motivate others to respond to the truth by providing timely words of counsel, encouragement, and consolation. When this gift is exercised, believers are challenged to stimulate their faith by putting God's truth to the test in their lives. Again, I want you to find yourself among these gifts tonight. Giving, the ability to contribute material resources with generosity and cheerfulness for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Christians with this spiritual gift need not be wealthy, though they often are, because God has gifted them with the ability to earn money for the purpose of channeling it back to the work of God. 
Let me just highlight that first part. If you have a gift of giving, you have the ability to contribute material resources with generosity and cheerfulness, not with gnashing of teeth. And some of you on this call, or some of you listening on Facebook tonight, have the gift of giving, and you love to give. You find great joy and satisfaction in giving things away. It is cheerful for you. You have the gift of giving. Leadership. The ability to discern God's purpose for a group, to set and communicate appropriate goals, and to motivate others to work together to fulfill a vision in the service of God. A person with this gift is effective at delegating tasks to followers without manipulation or coercion, as well as developing other leaders. That is loaded, okay? Um, we have a leadership class in the School of Ministry. Uh, unfortunately, we just finished it this past spring, so you gotta wait a little bit to take it, but there's a lot to talk about in leadership. Mercy, the ability to d deeply empathize and engage in compassionate acts on behalf of people who are suffering physical, mental, or emotional distress. Those with this gift manifest unusual concern and kindness to people who are often overlooked. Okay, so if you have the gift of mercy, you probably know it because you're a bleeding heart, right? You see people in need and you just want to help them. You want to you help everybody in need if you have the gift of mercy. Uh, apostleship, we'll do a couple more then we'll just zip to the end. In the New Testament, the apostles were not limited to the 12 but included Paul, Barnabas, Andronicus, Junius, and others as well. Um, this office, um, uh, however, many believe that the gift of apostleship continues to be given as a spiritual gift. This is the ability to begin and or to oversee new churches and Christian ministries with a spontaneously recognized authority, okay? Um, I'm not gonna read the definitions for the remainder of them. I'm just gonna announce what they are, and then we'll jump to the end and close. A gift of helps, a gift of administration, a gift of evangelism. Again, obviously, it's, let me just distinguish there. There are some who are gifted with evangelism that they are, they are powerful one-on-one, -on -one. They're at Lowe's, they're at Home Depot, they're at Giant, they're at Walmart, they're with their family, they're with friends, coworkers, and they are talking about Jesus in a very effective way, one-on-one. -on -one. And then there's the gift of the evangelist, like a Greg Hubbard, who is called to preach the gospel to a group of believers in such a way that people come to faith in Christ. The gift of pastor or shepherd, the gift of wisdom, the gift of healings, again, we can chat about that, uh, but I, let me just make a distinction here. I think that there are people who, are, who have the gift of healing that they generally are gifted to see more frequent um, supernatural deliverance from sickness and demonic oppression than others are. But I believe that all Christians who are filled with the Spirit, it's not up here anymore, who are filled with the Spirit of God can be used to administer gifts of healing to other people. So on one hand, 
there are some people who I think are gifted with healing that they see more frequent answers to prayer. But every one of us on this call and everybody listening today, you have the authority and the ability to see God work through you to bring healing to somebody else's life. Why do you have that ability? Because Jesus lives in you by way of the Holy Spirit. Again, Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that brought Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. Everything that you need to pray for the sick and to see God move is already inside of you. Praise God. Miracles, the ability to serve as an instrument through God, through whom God accomplishes acts that manifest supernatural power. This would be different from healing in that a miracle, Jesus did miracles like he multiplied bread and, and fish. Like that's a, a miracle. I'm not sure how that looks today. Maybe you've seen a miracle, okay? Um, distinguishing spirits. Uh, this is somebody who has as a gifting to recognize good and evil, uh, recognize demonic activity, recognize when things are, are not what they seem to be, distinguishing between the spirits. Uh, tongues and interpretation, we'll talk about that all next week. I'm not gonna read those tonight. So to wrap up tonight, the Corinthian example, they had many gifts but lacked mature fruit, probably because they weren't growing in the fruit of the spirit. They needed to properly learn how to function in their gifts. They lacked character, displayed selfish hearts. That's why Paul gave so much instruction. Uh, we are reminded here that the operation of the gifts in the body of Christ must be done with mutual respect for one another, with humility and in unity. Mutual respect, humility, and unity should all be um, in cooperation, in concert with the operation of the gifts in our lives. No one gift is no more important than those. Unity, diversity, interdependence. Um, Paul said, of course, they must be administered in love, and it's been 55 minutes. I'm going to wrap here, so, and then we'll talk. Uh, I want to say this, and I'll put this in the chat. There's a great way online for you to discover your gifts. Two things. One, it's called freespiritualgiftstest.org. Um, we can throw that in the chat. And then the other one is called Uniquely You. I'm going to write that on the board so that you can look it up. It's Uniquely You. Just Google that, and there it has spiritual gifts, gifts tests that, that can just help you discover your gift. But it's also cool because in Uniquely You, it has a personality side of the assessment that, that takes your gifting and your personality and blends them together. And you get a, a clearer picture of the way that God has made you and wired you to serve in the body of Christ, okay? So... Again, I'm gonna be done here. We're gonna break for Q&A. Hope you wrote them down. I know I go fast at times, but I will see you in just a minute. Love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon.